Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we get started, are you thinking of creating a podcast or are you a podcast host already? As a podcast strategist, I can help you to launch or relaunch a purposeful and profitable podcast, which will inspire, entertain and educate a global audience. Simply book in a one-to-one call with me right now via the Calendly link in the show notes and together we'll focus on the purpose of your podcast. Today on Focus on Why, I am joined by Steve Lowell. Steve, hello and welcome to Focus on Why. Oh, hi, Amy. Thanks for inviting me here. Well, it seemed like a great idea at the time because when I reached out to you, I knew that you were going to be a great person having listened to a fantastic webinar that you did. And I just thought there's got to be more to Steve than he's just shared in this last hour that I've spent with him. And what better way was to reach out to you and say, come on the show. Well, no, I think about an hour is what it takes to really reveal all that is, Steve. I, I don't know that there's much more uh, than what you saw, but let's find out. <laughs> oh, no, there's definitely more for sure. And I also listened to you on a couple of other podcasts. So I, I know there's going to be some more coming from you today. So focus on why is all about why people do what they do. Let's start with what is it you're doing at the moment? So I've spent most of my life, as, as you, I think you know, as a trainer and mentor to professional speakers. But lately what I've found is I've been working a lot with authors uh, and entrepreneurs from other areas that aren't necessarily speakers. These are folks who have a message that they want to bring to the world, and they do it through speaking, even though they might not be professional speakers. And so what I've been doing lately is helping a lot of nonfiction authors, thought leaders, and experts take their message that they may have written in their book, uh, or maybe they are creating a signature keynote message out of it, and helping them craft it so that they can monetize it. And Lately, what I've been getting is a lot of attention from these nonfiction authors who, you know, who are coaches and speakers and trainers and consultants, and they've written their book, and now they don't really know what to do with that book. And a lot of people were under the misconception that if I write my book, I'm going to get rich. You know, <laughs> I'm going to sell millions of copies of my book. There's my income stream. So this just sort of happened organically. So that's what I've been working on lately. And what's so important about a message to someone? Well, it depends on what the desired outcome is. So what I found is this. There are, there are basically three primary motivators that motivate people like us, you and me, entrepreneurs, experts, speakers, coaches. And the first primary motivator that I've found is what I call a mess. And you know, I meet a lot of people who have a big story. They've got something big that's happened in their life that has set the trajectory of who they have become. And then, so that's the first motivator. And some of us have a big mess. I don't have a mess, um, you know, but you know people who have a big mess. And we, we take the mess from that, you know, the message from that mess and bring it to the world and say, listen, world, this is what happened to me. Let me share with you the messages and the expertise that I've learned. So that's the first one. The second motivator that I found is what I call a moment. 
And sometimes people have a moment in time or a series of moments in time somewhere in their life where they get this aha moment and they kind of think, oh, this is what I want to do. I'm good at this. And, and that's me. I don't have a mess, but I do have a moment. And I had this moment where I go, this is what I want to do. I'm good at this. And then, you know, we build on, on that. And then the third motivator that I've noticed um, is what I call a mission, where some people have a cause that they want to pursue, that there's something they want to evangelize, or there's a change they want to make in this world. And of course, the, then they take that motivation or passion on that mission and create their message. So the reason why the message is so important is because oftentimes the message derives from one of those three or more, one or more of those three motivators. And if the motivator is a mess, then the message extends our expertise to the world and gives our mess value, gives it purpose. If the motivator is the moment, then the message extends the importance and gravity of that moment and gives it purpose. If our motivation is a mission, the message extends the importance and value of the mission. So the reason for the message is because it gives value to who we have become. I love that. And you mentioned that you had, you fell, fell into the second category, the moment of time. Was it a series of moments or was it that aha moment? There was one particular one that, that I can remember. Would you like me to take you to it? Okay, so I was in my early 20s and I'm working for a training company uh, in, in Canada. In fact, it was at that time, one of the biggest training companies in the world. And their primary focus was training people how to speak. And I had been a student in that class. And on this day, I was what's called a graduate assistant. So I'm sitting at the back and I'm watching the instructors. And I'd been doing this for a year or two. And in my head, what I'd be doing is I'd watch the instructors train these people. And in my head, I'm thinking, I wouldn't do it that way. Oh, that was good. I would do that. Oh, I would change this. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I like this piece. And I remember thinking someday, if I ever get a chance to, you know, to coach one of these people, I'm going to jump at that. And then this is the moment. The instructor came over to me and he said, Steve, would you like to try coaching somebody? And I said, yes, I would. So I got up to coach. And the person that came up to be coached was the most difficult participant in the entire program. This person did not want to be there. This person was habitually non-participative. Their company had paid for this person to be there and required to be there. And the person was miserable, the worst one. And so I thought, oh, this is going to be quite a test. And so I started coaching. And within about a minute and a half, I had this person, this guy, he was a big, scary looking guy. I had this guy turned around and he was like Tony Robbins on steroids. And he opened up and he got, he got vulnerable and passionate and he never went back. It completely changed his existence. So when that happened, I had this thought in my mind where I said, this may be one of the best moments of my life. I, this, I can do this. And that was my moment. And so that set a path for the rest of my professional life. And it's gone in different twists and turns. But on that day, I discovered that I had a gift that I didn't even know I had. And the gift was that I can take anybody with a message, I can put them in front of a room or on a stage, and I can pull magic out of them that they never knew existed. And I built a career on that premise because of that moment. 
And I meet a lot of people who have moments like that, moments where they go in their mind, they say, there it is. This is my purpose. This is why I want to be here. Or, or this is what I'm good at. And I, th- I love this. And so that's why I use that as one of the primary motivators, because when I look back on my life, that's mine. And mine's a moment. And what was it you did in that, those 90 seconds? Did we, were you vocal? Did you ask questions or did you just listen? So uh, that's, I, I love that question. So here's what I did. I decided, and, and all this happened very quickly. I didn't have a lot of time to plan this because it was, Steve, do you want to coach? I said, sure. Okay, you're up. So there was like this organic thing. And I had decided this. I decided that I'm not here to make this person like me. And I am going to assume that I have permission to be more helpful than polite. My job in the next time that I have with this person is to pull something out of them that is significant. So the person would start speaking and I went right to interrupting them, which is, you know, an instructor wouldn't, you know, you're not supposed to do that, but I did it anyway. I broke all the instructor rules. And when I, I just used my gut and when I felt like there was more from this person, I wouldn't let him off the hook until he got more out and he would start to speak. And I'd say, no, I, I don't believe you. And he'd say, I'm not believing you got to make me believe you. And then then he did. And when he did, it just, you know, he just exploded. So I guess what I did there was I was relentless in not allowing him to hold back that which was his greatest strength. Yeah, absolutely. So you went with your gut as opposed to the rules. Yeah. Is that something you do in business generally now? Yeah, all the time, all the time. And in fact, what happened with that company was they uh, they took me through this entire process to become a certified trainer. And it took about two years to do that. And there was so much about what they were teaching that I really liked and believed in, but there was an awful lot that I didn't like and didn't believe in, but I didn't really know why. I couldn't validate why this was you know, not right and that wasn't right. So when it came time for me to sign the contract, as a dedicated instructor, I, I couldn't do it. I, I didn't sign it. And then, then I went off and I thought, I'm going to train people how to speak, not doing presentations. It's not like standing there and doing PowerPoint presentations. It's about getting in front of an audience and getting everything that's in there out. Uh, and, it, and it's not about being slick and it's not about rules and it's not about, you know, do this and don't do that. It's, it's about doing everything that needs to be done and whatever needs to be done to get your audience to feel about your message the way you feel about your message. And so to do that, I sort of based my process on, on trusting my gut feeling on it. And so I would have, let's say, two or three different participants and I would give them polar opposite advice. And I would use, you know, polar opposite type of techniques and tactics because each person requires a different approach to get what's in them out. Whereas with the, with the training program that I was part of, there was a system and I didn't feel it allowed for the flexibility of human nature. And so, yeah, the answer is, yeah, I, I take a lot of things of my business and I go with my gut feeling. Um, that hasn't always uh, been the best approach uh, in, in, in business, uh, but sometimes it has been. And I'm more comfortable with that approach than a systemized approach that doesn't resonate with me. So essentially, am I right in, in saying that your business is built on emotion? Well, I would say you're partly right. It is, it is built on emotion. 
But there is a lot of tactical approach in, in this regard. If somebody wants to monetize their message, which means they want to make money. So if somebody wants to get in front of an audience, whether it's virtual or live, the emotional component is there for sure. But if they want to actually monetize it, there are strategic and tactical elements that absolutely have to be there. And this is where some entrepreneurs, heart-based entrepreneurs struggle because they often come to me and they say, you know, I, I, I want to save the world. You know, I want to get my message out there. I want to affect change. I want to inspire people and motivate people and influence people. And, and, and that's awesome. And that, that's great. I do too. But some people struggle with the concept of understanding that if they don't monetize, they're not going to be able to inspire anybody. They're not going to be able to motivate or change anybody. They need to earn a living. And so there absolutely needs to be some strategic and tactical elements to what they're doing in order to monetize. And, and so if somebody comes to me and they say, Steve, I want to be a great speaker, um, or I want to take the message in my book and bring it to the world, I need to understand what exactly is their desired outcome. Is it to influence and inspire? In which case, okay, we're going to make this an emotional experience. But if monetizing is anywhere in the equation, then we need to add the, tech, the, the tactical element to it. So I would say it's like 50-50. It's emotional and tactical. And you were young. You, you said you were in your early 20s when you discovered the importance of purpose. That doesn't come to everyone as, as young as that. And Right. And I didn't actually recognize it as the importance of purpose at the time. I recognize it in retrospect. But at the time, it was just, I love this. I, I want to do more of this. And I, in my head, I didn't really think about, this is going to be a pivotal moment in my life because this moment is giving me purpose. In retrospect, I can see that, but not at, the, not at the time, I wouldn't have seen that. So when did you come to that revelation? Over time, um, it, it came to that revelation over time, particularly in moments where I had to veer out of that path and do other things because I wasn't always good at the monetization piece either. I was one of those entrepreneurs that said, I just want to help people. And I just want to do what I do because I love it. And then my you know, misunderstanding was if I do it well enough and if I do it for enough people, they're going to come to me and throw money at me. And of course, that, that, that doesn't happen. So along the way, oftentimes what I had to do was I had to take other paths. You know, I did some computer programming for a while, which I, I loved to do, but I didn't love it as much as doing the speaking and the speaker coaching and that. So when I had to veer off the path in order to earn a living, those are the times where I realized the value of that moment. And, you know, we talk about the power of why. And, you know, we, we hear this a fair amount. It's all about the why and focus on the why. And, and, and I believe that. And, and I agree with that. And people will ask me the question, what's your why? And I'm, I'm sure that's on your list of questions somewhere for today. <laughs> and, you know, I, as much as I believe in that question, and I believe in that philosophy, I feel like my why is very thin. And the best I can come up with, I mean, I can say I want to help people. Yes, that's true. I can say I want to make money. Yes, that's true. I can say all of those things, and they're all true. But the driving, if I go to the very bottom of what drives me to do this, it's because I like it. 
So I, I do it for me more <laughs> than for everybody else. And I just get, you know, that powerful rush when I get a chance to take somebody and break them open and have that message just, you know, explode out of them in ways they never thought possible. You know, I can say I do it for them because I love people so much. And that is, that is true. But I do it more for me because I like the way it makes me feel. And and that is a perfectly valid reason. And and it's not thin at all. It's it's the it is the foundation, because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're not going to be putting all of your excitement and energy into the space, which then has the the sort of ricochet effects of and the ripple effects of helping others. And, and that fulfillment piece obviously comes as part of it as well. The the purpose of this podcast was really initiated because people come to the subject of purpose from so many different perspectives and rightly so because there is no one size fits all here and what I want to do with the show is just bring as many people on as I can to illustrate that point that you know you're not doing it wrong if it's not feeling the same way that you see other people and it's it's not you know, it is so different. It's so unique having the different purpose. And that's why I wanted to ask you, you know, did you recognize it at the time? No, with retrospect, easily so. Yes, we we can all trace back the threads to where it started. Now, you've put yourself in, in an environment surrounded by thought leaders, surrounded by speakers, coaches, consultants, authors, business leaders. You've got so many different resources and and access to people who are very high in personal development. Has that been your interest as well? Have you taken yourself on your own personal development journey? Oh, 100%. And, and I started that many years ago, even, even before I was with that training organization. And, and I still do um, today. Uh, absolutely. I, I think personal development is, is, as the name suggests, I believe that it's a very personal thing. And when I go through all the different resources that are at my disposal, the different speakers and coaches and trainers and, and the books and the videos and all of the stuff that's been at my disposal throughout my life, there's probably, I haven't guessed, you know, maybe 10 or 15% of it that, that actually resonates with me inside. But then that 10 or 15% is what forms the foundation of who I have become and who I show up and how I live my life and what my values are and, and all those things. And so when, and I read a ton of books and I'm always looking at all the different personal development aspects of things. And what I look for is that 10%. And I know I find it based on the feeling I get. So I know a lot about, you know, all of the different principles of personal development. And it's not that I don't believe in them, it's the ones that resonate as truth for me and my life. Those are the ones that come into my, I can feel it when it comes into my soul. And I say that that's, that's for me, the rest of it. I kind of go, that's interesting. And, and I, I try and learn about it and I want to understand it. And especially the esoteric stuff, you know, law of attraction and all those things, which, which I absolutely love. And, and, you know, I, I love all of those things. But there's probably, I'd say, maybe 10 or 12% that actually guide my life, guide my being, guide how I show up. And are you willing to share that, Steve? Um, yeah, I can share some of it if you like. So the things that guide me 
And, and I have to think about this because no one's asked me that question before. And I, and I don't know that I've put a label on, on these things. So here's what sort of guide me in no particular order of priority. I'm just going to share with them as they come up. The first one, for me, my, my uh, biggest value, my most important value is freedom. And the way I define freedom is being able to express things and do things the way my soul tells me is natural to me, the way my gut tells me is natural to me. And that's why I didn't sign the contract with that training company. And again, I wasn't conscious of this concept at the time, really, but you know, I, I didn't feel free to operate the way Steve Lowell would operate. So that is my highest value is to be able to be Steve Lowell uh, in any second of any, any environment in any day, according to who Steve Lowell wants to be in that moment. And that's the type of freedom that I'm talking about. That's my, my highest value. Another highest value for me is integrity. I, I chose a long time ago over a series of many, many, many moments that I wasn't going to treat people the way so many people have treated me. And, and I'm not talking about abusive behavior or anything like that. What I'm talking about is I've met so many people, and I'm sure you have too, Amy, people who say they can do something and can't, people who say they will do something and won't. Um, and you know, people who operate from the perspective of, I'm gonna take my expertise, product or service and use that as a mechanism to separate you from your money. And we've had that in our lives. And, and I made a decision a long time ago that I was never consciously going to do that. And so when I listen to personal development, two things that come to my mind are, does this violate my value of freedom? Does this violate my value of integrity? And I, you know, I, can, I can go on and on with others, but those are the, the, the main ones. And so I try and approach life from those two and other values, but those two values, I think, are the most important things to me. Am I going to be free to, to express you know, life the way I want to express it without violating my values of integrity? And I love that because... I speak a lot about freedom and what freedom means to people because it, it, it does mean so many different things. And often freedom comes in association with another value. And sometimes it's creation, sometimes it's choice, sometimes it's flexibility for you. You've shared that it's integrity. Oh, and that's so interesting. I didn't know is, that. that yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to quite a few people share, uh, talk about freedom. And it's been with with kindness, with time, with curiosity, whatever, or, ex, you know, exploration. There's so many different, but for you, you've combined it with integrity. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I love that. So this 10%, I'm just going to sort of ask another couple of questions if uh -oh, I can. I may have opened up a whole Pandora's box here. You're <laughs> well, going to make me think. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> well, okay. So awesome. it, obviously it's not exact science. You know, you said 10, 15%. It, it may be more, it may be less, but let's just go with, with what you've shared. You, you said that there are elements that are true for you and true for your life. And there have been people in your time who have resonated or their work has resonated with you. And you've taken that and it said it's come into your soul, it's come into your gut. And you said it guides you. Okay, so what's it guiding you towards and what's it guiding you away from? Right, I love that, that question. So it's true, people are generally on a journey to avoid pain or pursue pleasure. So away from pain, 
towards pleasure somewhere in there. And I'm on both. And, you know, you, and I, I guess everybody is, but I'm consciously aware generally of which path I'm on when, you know, when I stop and give it some thought. So, so the, it's a big question, but what I'm moving away from is I'm moving away from reliance on others in this world to dictate my major outcome. So I move away from, from that. And it's not that there's people who control my life or, or, or any of those things. It's, it's kind of like, like this, like a lot of people, you know, if I want to, if I want to go on a big expensive vacation, I need to get a certain number of clients to pay for that. Like, like, and so that is reliance on others. So for me to get a couple, you know, bigger clients, somebody has to decide to hire me and somebody has to decide to pay me and somebody has to decide to work with me. That's a reliance on others. And so there are various parts of our lives where we rely on the decisions of others. We rely on the actions of others in order to get us to where we want to go. So I move, I'm moving away from the reliance of others to help, you know, to dictate my outcome. So that's what I'm moving away from. What I'm moving towards, I believe, is another level of, of freedom. I'm pretty free in my life right now in, in, in many areas, but there are areas where I'm not free. And one of those areas, you know, is I, you know, we do very well in business, but we still have to work. And, you know, if a speaking gig comes up or if a training gig comes up, you know, I will take it even if I don't necessarily want to, if the money's good enough, right? And so I say, well, that particular client or that particular arrangement, I don't really want to do it. It's a big deal and it's a lot of work. And for whatever reason, I'm not feeling compelled that I really want to do it, but I'll say, but you know, if the money's right, I'll do it. And then often the money is right. And then I'll go and do it and it wasn't worth it. And so that's a reliance. And so I'm moving away from that and towards being able to pick and choose anything I want, whenever I want, you know, it's my decision. And, and my decisions tend to be all around doing what I'm passionate about. And sometimes I will make a poor decision and I will, well, it may not be a poor decision, but it may not be the most financially viable or financially wise decision because I will choose what my passion is over what is the proper business decision. You know, I will do that sometimes. So I'm moving away from having or, or moving towards having freedom from those kinds of decisions. That makes sense, what I just said? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, it comes down to the freedom and choice combination. So it, yeah. yeah, absolutely, freedom to choose, to pick and choose, as you say, about what you're passionate about. So yeah, fantastic. And um, I love that I asked that question because that was a great answer, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Well, it's a good question. You know what I love about, about you, Amy, is you make me think in real time which I really enjoy when I'm doing interviews and, and, and podcasts. And, uh, and so, you know, good on you. Yeah. I, th I mean, it's just one of those things. I think the topic definitely allows me to have that scope to mm. explore and, and not have to have any kind of rigidity of, of where we need to go. And as I share with, with you and, and with all of my audience, I don't know where the conversations are going to go. We just we just start recording and we take it from there and I just delve deeper. I just try and think of the perspective of what is it that you've just shared that the audience might want to hear a bit more about. So, yeah, it's it's great exploration and curiosity that fuels these questions. I'm going back again to to where you shared your inspiration of people in your personal development.
Have there been particular people who have shaped your future at some point, yeah. Steve? Yeah, and, and there still are. They still pop out of the woodwork. But some of the icons, uh, I think the first one was Zig Ziglar. Um, I came across a, a, a video of him when I was very young, and I'd never really heard of personal development that much. But I saw, and I was a musician at the time. I've been on the live stage since the age of six. And, and I would have been in my mid, early teens, I guess. And I was a musician playing music. And I came across this video by Zig Ziglar. And there were two things that I heard him say. First of all, I couldn't believe that you could do what he's doing. I mean, get on a stage without equipment, without guitars, without lights, and just talk, you know? And, and so I thought, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But there were two things he said that have stuck in my brain my whole life. And these are common Zig Ziglar quotes. And I don't know if they're originally from him, but he's often attributed to these. And the first one is, um, you know, his very common one, you can get enough, uh, you can get everything you'll want out of life as long as you'll help enough other people get what they want. And that has always stuck with me. So I, you know, from that point on, a big part of my life is positioning myself in a position of service wherever feasible, wherever possible. And the other thing he said was, and I think this comes from somebody else, but in my head, it comes from him. He says, you cannot consistently perform in a manner which is inconsistent with the way you see yourself. And oftentimes what I've, what I've done in my life is when things have not been going well, when I don't feel like I'm making forward progress or even making backwards progress, and you know, when things are, are bad, those two things keep coming back to my mind because I keep thinking to myself, you know, am I not getting what I want out of life because I'm not helping enough other people get what they want, which means I'm not serving enough? And am I operating in a manner which is inconsistent with how, my, how I see myself? And then the question comes to my mind is, well, how do I see myself? And then I end up doing this personal audit on my self-image at that time. And I often see, you know, I listen to my self-talk. I become aware of my self-image at that given time. And, and I can almost always draw a straight line between my self-image, how I see myself at that given time, to the way I'm performing. And so those two phrases have been pivotal in, in my life. And we've heard them you know, a million times, but I've uh, internalized those, I think, to the point where they are a big part of, of how, I, how I drive my existence. You know? So Zig Ziglar was, was definitely a big one. Another one was Wayne Dyer. And what I loved about Wayne Dyer is I love the way Wayne spoke. And you know, I love the way Zig Ziglar spoke too, but when I first got into speaking, what I found was Zig Ziglar was my only point of reference. And so I would emulate Zig Ziglar. Now I'm from Canada. Zig Ziglar was from Yazoo City, Mississippi, right? And I would get on a stage or a platform in Canada and I'd start talking like Zig Ziglar and I'd be saying Zig Ziglar words and Zig Ziglar jokes. And people go, aren't you from Ottawa? I mean, what are you doing? So over the years, I had to I had to get a personality, you know, which <laughs> some might argue I have yet to develop. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but one of the reasons I love Wayne is because he was, um, you know, uh, his presence was like the polar opposite of Zig Ziglar. He was calm and cool and collected, and and so I found something in the middle. And but I think those are the two that started my journey of trying to find who I wanted to be when I'm out there doing my thing, you know? And have you found that now, Steve? 
Oh, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I have, but then I'll listen to a recording or watch a video and I'll get, yeah, that, that's not it. I'm not there yet. So I don't think it's something that we actually find. I think it's a journey we pursue. And as long as we're always on that journey, we're always going to be developing and we're always going to be changing and growing. And and I think that there are different personalities that I can um, express in different environments. Um, you know, so in an environment like this, this is a conversational thing. You know, that you and I are are involved in. But if I get in front of an audience, and what's expected from me is to be able to raise the energy, then I'm not going to be speaking like this, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up the pace and be fast and loud and all all, all of those things. So I can do all of those things. And so part of my personality that I've developed, I think, because of these heroes of mine is that flexibility. Um, so I, I don't really know which one is really Steve, because I think they all are. And that personal audit that you have that conversation with yourself, what are the questions that you will start with? Right. So usually I just start with this. Um, it would be, OK, what's happening? And so I'll take a, an audit of the circumstances. What exactly is happening? Then I might go to, what, what am I feeling about what's happening? Because I've learned and I believe that we need to identify and confront how we're feeling in a difficult situation. And if we can't identify and confront how we're feeling, I think it hinders us in identifying the steps to move forward. So the question sometimes I ask myself is, how, how am I feeling? What exactly is this that I have? Is it anxiety? Is it anger? Is it fear? What is it? And I, and I, I try and identify it. Then when, when I, once I identify it, my next question is something like this. is like, what is my measure of responsibility here? Because I'm a guy who naturally is going to point fingers, not at people, but at circumstances, right? Like, for example, before we get on this call, my computer froze. So what am I blaming? I'm going to blame the computer. I'm going to blame the universe. I'm going to blame circumstance. I'm going to blame something. So, but then, but if I stop and, and I'll say, you know, take stock, what happened here? Well, what happened is my computer froze. Okay. How am I feeling about that? I'm feeling frustrated about that and I'm feeling anxious about that. Well, what's my measure of responsibility? Well, you know what? I didn't actually change the network before I came down. So I am the cause of this. So once I can identify my measure of responsibility, and I have to do that because Everything else that I tend to blame is outside of my control, right? And in order for me to be able to move forward, I have to have a sense or a measure of control. So I need to find my measure of responsibility in the situation. And then the next thing is, okay, you know, how can I change what I've done or what I'm doing? So I'm, I'm a kind of guy that needs to, if there's something really problematic going on, I need to have my pity party. And my wife, Jane, you know, we have this, we have this all the time when something goes wrong. Usually it's a technical thing and, and I'll get all upset and angry and all those things. And she'll try and talk me out of it. And I'll just say, look, I need my time. I need my pity party. I need to let this express itself. And then once that does happens, um, then I can go through these questions. Okay, what exactly has happened here? How is this? What is this I'm feeling about it? What is my measure of responsibility? Once I get clarity on those three things, I usually have a next step. It usually descends somehow. And how often do you have these self-audits, Steve? Because this sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, more often than I'd like to admit. I, I, quite often, actually. Quite often. And, and it's not that I have a hot temper. I mean, I, I do actually have a hot temper. And I've spent a lot of my life 
controlling that temper. I don't have a hot temper anymore. I don't punch the wall or in any of those things, but things frustrate me when they don't work the way I think they should work. It drives me nuts, Amy, when, when I buy something or pay for something and it doesn't do what I paid for it to do. To me, that's the same as a person saying, I will do this and not doing it. Right. And I just feel violated and ripped off, you know, and it just, it gives me a lot of angst. So I have these little self audits, um, you know, probably more often than, than I really would like to admit. <laughs> Brilliant. So let's go back to the mess, the moment on time and the mission. Do you have a mission? Is it, is it clear? No. And I'll tell you what, I love this question too, because Jane and I, have, um, and Jane's my wife, you know, and we're partners in business. Uh, and, and we have struggled with this. What exactly is our mission as a business? And, you know, we've had several of them and we put them up on our website and on our brochures and we put them there, but I have always felt that they were just words and they're there because they're required and expected to be there. But none of them have ever reached my soul. Like my, you know, like my values. And so the answer to the question is no, we should, I believe, but I, I don't. And so if, if I was to be, you know, painfully honest, which is, I know is what you want. My mission is for me to reach that destination of, of freedom where I can express myself without having any, um, you know, any restraining influence. So that, but but that's a very self-directed mission, and I, I feel I feel self-conscious about that when I feel like, and and I know this may not be reality, but I often feel like my mission should be about the, to the benefit of others. It should be about others. It should be about a big change, or it should be about you know uh, these these things. And the reality for me, in my mind, is that in order for me to be those things to other people, I first need to reach that spot for me. And, and I feel like I'm on that track. And sometimes I feel like I'm there. Sometimes I feel like I, I'm not there. And I, I sometimes feel very self-conscious about that as a mission because I feel like it's inward bound and it should be outward. And people will say, no, no, that's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be, you know, but I feel like I'm supposed to have, I'm supposed to be able to stand in front of the world and say, this is what I want to do for you. But I, in my heart of hearts, I'm still actually still doing for me so that I can do for, for others. So I don't know what that big outside mission is. And, and I, you know, I, I'm thinking here that there are going to be so many people just letting out a sigh of relief that, like, oh, thank goodness, because I don't have that either. <laughs> and, and for you to be so honest and share that and say, no, I don't have it. I, I'm, I really respect it because absolutely, you know, how do you know whether they are just words or whether mm. they are something that really means something when you know that, when you know that it means something and you've just shared, they are just words. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to put them out there because it, it would, it would be false for me to do so. So to, to have that journey of that pursuit of where you're going. And, and as you shared earlier, you, you do, you do have to look inwards sometimes to then be able to help out others so some people have a very clear mission, as you said, some people have their mess and some people have their moments. And at the moment, you know, for you, it's the moment still. And, and that's great. What's next? What's what's happening the rest of this year for you, Steve? So from a business perspective or a personal perspective? Wherever. OK, wherever. OK, well, 
I think from a, a business perspective is um, is you know I'm working on a um, I'm working on a funnel system to automate you know a little bit more of our business um, and um, you know I've got some evergreen webinars that are up there that help people that put them into a funnel and and my my business mission for this year is to get that up and running so that's a good engine in addition to everything else that that's happening I think on a personal level. Our personal plan, my personal plan for this year is to just keep pursuing everything that I've been pursuing personally, but I'm bringing um, faith back into, into my life. I'm not a religious man, but I am a spiritual guy. And my wife, Jane, and I have decided that we are looking for more on the spiritual side of things. And so we've joined some groups that are in alignment with our faith. And, and I'm working at bringing faith back into my life at a higher level, because I can see in my history, when my faith was stronger than it is now, my life was better, and things moved forward more than, than they do. And it's not that things are, are not moving forward now, but with the, with the pandemic and everything, we've had to take some steps back, at, at, like most people, we had to do the pivot and all those things, and, and momentum is picking up again, you know, but I just feel safer in my life over the history of my life. I feel safer for some reason when my faith is stronger, and so that's a big thing for us of this next year. And when you say in a spiritual sense, what, what will you be doing in terms of practice there? What is it you'll look at? Yeah. So when I, I'm going to separate spirituality and, and, and religion, because religion isn't a big part of my life. It is a part, but not a big part. And I've done an awful lot of work through my life on the spirituality piece, and I feel very strong and comfortable there. Um, and then there's this religious piece that I, I grew up with and I had some exposure to in my previous life with, a, with a, you know, in my previous uh, relationships. And I kind of pushed that aside because in my head, what's happened to me is there's this gap between spirituality and religion. And what I'm searching for is the middle ground because I think there's value in both. So my personal search is how can I take what I know and believe about spirituality and marry it with the most important parts, or not the most important parts, but the parts of religion that resonate with me? And how can I put them together so that I have this, I feel like I have this balance between the universe and God? And where does purpose fit in with that? Uh, where does purpose fit in with that? Here's what I'm, I'm thinking. You're challenging me with these questions, which I just, I just love. My, I think my purpose with these things is, is this. I've talked about what I'm moving away from and what I'm moving towards. And for me to keep moving towards this sense of freedom that I'll know it when I, when I, when I achieve it, part of that journey is this marriage between spirituality and, and religion. And that's what I'm calling faith. And I feel like if my faith is more intact, if my faith is, you know, is, is more in line with what resonates with me and my soul, that's going to give me fuel to pursue the purpose, to pursue, pursue the path. And so that's my answer at this moment. I haven't given that question thought. But I love the question, and I'm going to give it thought. In fact, I'm probably not going to sleep tonight until I get an answer. Um, but that's my answer at the moment.
Well, take your time to journal on it. And, and, and you know what? The, the subconscious is a marvelous thing. So you'll probably wake up with an answer in, in a day or two or, or maybe mm. a week or two. Who knows? You know, it's just let it sit there and, and get it answered eventually. But the, the pursuit of these questions in life, I mean, people have been doing this for millennia. So, yeah. you know, don't give yourself a hard time. No, I, I'm not. I, I love the questions. And here's why I love the questions so much. One, because they make me think, which I, I really like. And it's it's going to give me, you know, more food for thought over the next coming days. But the other reason why I love these questions is because they remind me of these things that are important that sometimes get lost in a busy life. You know, we're very, very busy doing many, many, many things as most, most people are. And sometimes these questions, I need to be reminded of these questions. And I need to be reminded to take the time to consider the answers to these questions. And that's one of the things that's so helpful about me being a guest on these podcasts with you and, and some others is it reminds me of some of the important questions that I need to give some space to every day. Fantastic. And and I'm looking forward to actually meeting you in person. We're, we're going to be able to do that at the end of this year at, at the Global Speaking Federation Conference in, in Ireland. I'm really looking forward to yeah. that. So yeah, tell me, so, yeah, tell me, Steve, what made you get involved in the GSF? Wow. Okay. So here's what happened. In Canada, we have CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. And as, years ago, I would come to the CAPS local meetings in Ottawa and I'd pay my 10 or 20 bucks, whatever it was. And I would pick and choose which meetings I wanted to go to and I would go. And I, I couldn't understand why I would join. Why would I pay the annual fee when I can just come as a guest? And nobody was asking me, you know, are you a member of CAPS? Then what happened was, and this is another moment actually. Then what happened was somebody came to me and said, um, Steve, are you a member of CAPS? And my answer, was as soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew it was the wrong answer. And my answer was, no, not yet. Now, in my head, what I was saying was, I have yet to decide if this association is going to be of value to me. But what this person heard and what I heard was, I don't qualify yet. Because you have to earn a certain amount, as you know, a certain amount to qualify. And as soon as the answer came out of my mouth, I just felt that my credibility had dropped through the floor. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm getting to the point where the answer needs to be yes. But I delayed, I procrastinated, and I kept going to the meetings. And then somebody who was a person of influence, it was one of those people where the answer absolutely had to be yes, came to me and said, so are you a member of CAPS? And the answer was no. And so I didn't say not yet. What I said was, I'm expecting to join next week. And so that was the best I could come up with at the moment. So because I had said those words, I thought, okay, the answer now absolutely has to be yes. So I joined. When I joined CAPS, that's when I learned about the Global Speakers Federation. Because the Global Speakers Federation, as you, as you know, uh, Amy, is a, is a, uh, it's like a group of associations. So you and I as individual members are not members of the GSF. Um, you know, PSA UKI is a member of GSF. CAPS is a member of GSF. So it's the associations that are members. So I saw GSF, I heard about it, and I read a little bit about it. Somebody told me about it. And what I saw, I saw a line of sight to global connections, to global connection equity, to global events, to global stages. To I saw this direct line of sight that all I need to do 
is I just need to be part of that. I need to be part of that, that team. So I joined the board of CAPS. In fact, there's a big story around that, but I was in CAPS for about three days and then I became president-elect of, uh, of the chapter. Um, <laughs> and what happened was um, when I join something, I do this. I, join, I never join something as a member. I join, I say, you know, how can I serve, right? Because it's part of that thing about being in service. How can I serve? So the person at CAPS said, well, there's a position on the board that we just lost somebody and it's a programming position or something. Would you like to do that? And I said, sure. So he said, well, we're having our board meeting tomorrow. Come on in and I'll introduce you to the crew. So we went to the board meeting and at that board meeting, this was in April, the president-elect for the following year announced that he couldn't do it because he was moving away. And, and I was looking around the table and nobody said anything. And I said, I'll do it. So they said, okay. So, so I became president-elect. So I served as president for two years. And then I, I, I learned the path to get to the GSF. A good friend of mine, JJ Brun, who here in Ottawa, He's a deep thinker. And he came to me and he said, look, here, you know, you want, here's what you want to do. You want to work backwards. If you want to be at the GSF level, you, you got to do this. And he worked me all the way backwards. So I made a, you know, a 10 year plan because I knew that's what it would take it was 10 years. And uh, I'm, I'm in my 11th year now, and I'm president of the Global Speakers Federation. And I would like to say to you that I did it because I wanted to be a major contributor to the business of speaking. And that is not untrue. That is true. But the reality is I did it because it was good for my business. And along the way, I learned how to be in service to the speaking industry. It wasn't my initial motivation. I learned it along the way. I fell in love with the business of speaking. I fell in love with the speaking world. I fell in love with the associations. I fell in love with the whole package of the GSF and all the member associations. I learned that along the way. So my, my passion for the speaking business and the speaking community um, has developed along that journey. I'm so glad I asked. That <laughs> was, was a good question. So the business of speaking, that is the essence, isn't it? The behind everything you're doing now is pulling the, everything together. And I'm really looking forward to the to, to conference at the end of this year. And uh, it'll be, be fantastic in Dublin for sure. Steve, thank you for sharing why you do what you do. And I, I feel like I've given you some homework. <laughs> it wasn't you my have, intention. You have. You have. Everything else is on hold now until I figure out what, <laughs> you know, all these things. <laughs> So how could people get in touch with you? How would they reach out to you and your world? Sure. Well, the easiest way is at my website, stevelowell.com. Everything is there. Um, and there, there are some tabs there. And everything you need is right there, stevelowell.com. Um, but there is something specific for authors. If you're a, a nonfiction author and you've just written your book or you've had it out for a while, and if you're feeling like you're struggling to sell it and to monetize it, um, there's a, a webinar that I do there and it's called, you're a nonfiction author, now what? Um, and it's right there at the website. It's, there's a big banner of it right there, stevelowell.com. Check that out because that might be of value to you as, as well. Well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. I'll make sure it goes in the show notes so that people can click onto that for sure thank you oh, terrific. and in terms of now what please can you give us some final words to close out the episode steve yeah so there's a, a line by garth brooks in a song that he did called the river and of all and i'm a big garth brooks fan and of all the garth brooks songs of all the great words that he's he's written these ones stand out in my mind and more than any of them and these are them don't you sit upon the shoreline and say you're satisfied. 
choose to chance the rapids and dare to dance the tide. Those are my final words. Thank you for listening to Focus on Why with me, Amy Rowlandson. To show your appreciation and to help other listeners understand what value you have received from tuning in today, please leave me an Apple Podcasts five-star review. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.